Stag. Man and his amazing friends. Welcome back, everybody. It's Stegman and his amazing friends. Hey, I'm I'm here. I'm Griffin. Uh, I host uh, the show sometimes. I'm Ryan. And that's Ryan. And Ethan's here. Hey. Hey, Ethan. Hey, um, and hey, we're Ryan. back. Hi, Ethan. Hey, bud. Ryan, you took a week off last week. How was your Thanksgiving? How was your weekend? Did you like our tips for all those writers out there? Kenny I, was with us. I didn't listen. I know that's hard to believe. Oh. But I assume mm-hmm. it was good because Kenny's very professional and very good. Just wanted to hear him say it. Um, mm-hmm. My Thanksgiving was bad-ish because the Lions <laughs> stunk it up again. And I guess everything else was okay. But at one point, my wife turned off football after the Lions game, which I watch football all day on Thanksgiving. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And she put on the Masked Singer. So... Mm. <laughs> I will never forgive her. Um, otherwise, it was fine. I drank like twelve mimosas. That's a lot of that's a lot of wine and orange juice. Wine and orange juice. Oh, Champagne. Hey, I'm making a new mimosa. It's a, it's it's a nice riesling. It's gonna be real bad. OJ, <laughs> it's gonna be gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we got a guest with us this week. We're back to sort of our 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 traditional sort of format here. Matt Rosenberg is with us. Matt, how's it going? How was your Thanksgiving last week? Did did you watch any Mass Singer? Normally on Thanksgiving, I watch just 12 hours of the Mass Singer. That's what I do. Um, but my girlfriend shut it off and made us watch a bunch of lions stink it up, so that sucked. No, um, <laughs> none of that was true. Uh, yeah, Thanksgiving was nice. I had uh, some turkey, uh, some mashed potatoes, um, stuffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do the same thing every year on Thanksgiving, or do you have different things happen every year? Everybody does the same thing every year on Thanksgiving. That's the well, you know, like sometimes you like people split between their girlfriend's family or. No, um, her family tends to have like a movable Thanksgiving, <laughs> so like we do my family, and then her family sometimes is like we're gonna get Chinese food together on Saturday, and it's like <laughs> well, that's not really Thanksgiving, but sure, let's do it. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a. Always a question of what it's going to be. We didn't do anything with our family this year. Do you make any of the food? I do. I made the mashed potatoes. Um, I, I, that might be it. No, I made, there was a, there's like a, a sweet potato thing I made, but I don't like sweet potatoes. So I, I end up making a lot of stuff that I don't eat because I think it's mm. gross, but I'll do it. I didn't make the mashed potatoes, but I did mash them. That's making them. That's Well, they, I mean, they were already peeled and put into a thing and all I had to do was just use brute force to... Mash them. I mm-hmm. I peeled the potatoes and everybody laughed at me and I was like, yeah, I could be in the army because I'm really like peeling the hell out of these potatoes. And then I realized that they were laughing at me because it takes me like 10 to 15 minutes to peel a potato. <laughs> and I'm doing it like very meticulously, like skinning a potato. Um, and other people kind of do it with, like with reckless abandon and I don't really appreciate that. Did you do it over the trash can? Um, you did not do it over the sink, did you? I did it. Uh, in a bowl, into a bowl, okay. and then I put that bowl in the compost. I did it over the sink one time, and it was a whole ordeal. <laughs> Dude, come on, man. It's so much potato you're putting down your sink then. It clogged, <laughs> and then I had, it actually was, it, it ended up being a great thing, because what happened was I had a plumber come over, and I saw him messing around with what with the pipes underneath, I was like, oh, that doesn't look that complicated. And then he comes out of there and he's like, yeah, it's going to be $500. And I was like, uh, 
no. And then he just stood there silently and closed up all of his like paperwork and everything and walked out of my house and neither of us spoke to each other. And then he left my house and I just went back and fixed it, fixed it all myself. So this is the origin story of you becoming a plumber. Mm-hmm. 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 That's the one manly thing I've ever done in my life, honestly. Say no to a plumber, dude. <laughs> fuck no for half a grand. I felt to fix so good. Sink. I felt so good. I felt like I grew hair on my chest. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, well, we're all proud of you, Ryan. Thank you. Um, I pose a question: Thanksgiving food is it is it overrated? Go ahead, Matthew. You know, it's good, and I think the fact that you pretty much only eat that stuff once a year makes it feel special. If it was like if turkey was in the regular rotation, yeah, it'd be overrated. It's not as good as chicken. No, exactly. T- turkey mm-hmm. is not that good. Turkey is the most boring, but pol- poultry of the, the gravy makes it good. I'm not really a gravy guy. I've often no, said, yes, you are. I've often said stuffing. Say who the who the fuck cares about stuffing? You know? Stuffing's well, pretty hey, good. Okay. Hey, who cares? Minute, Ethan. No, Wait no, 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 Mute no, yourself, no. Ethan. <laughs> who the fuck cares about stuffing? <laughs> Stuffing's like the one part of the Thanksgiving meal that isn't like part of just any other meal. You throw right, some well, gravy on the stuffing, also. You throw it on well, everything. I didn't say it was a. I didn't say it was a popular opinion. I'm a controversial guy, and I'm saying who the fuck cares <laughs> about stuffing? What I do, I I get a sandwich roll, like a little mini sandwich roll, and I I I basically butter it with the mashed potatoes, and then a piece of turkey. Mm. And then the curveball is I put stuffing on top of that, which is basically a bread sandwich. You mm-hmm. had me until the stuffing. Good. The stuffing ruined it. Sounds good. Maybe you're just having bad stuffing because this is stuffing, absurd. Stu- stuffing's fine. Have you had stovetop? <laughs> Have you tried stovetop? Uh, I've only ever eaten stovetop. Oh well, maybe that's why. <laughs> All right, I get some homemade stuff. Okay, we we got a podcast where we talk about comic books here. Um, but is the way that you intimately a... is the way that you intimately peel a potato a direct correlation to how you create comics? It's <laughs> a really good question. Yeah, that's a great segue. A Articulately crafted. Uh, yeah, I I definitely make my comics too slowly, and <laughs> other people can do it much faster. And um, yeah, and then afterwards I'm kind of grossed out by what I'm left with. So yeah, it's actually pretty close. <laughs> and, and then, then you, you toss m- the script in the compost. Yeah, yeah and then I say, compost you, the whole mash thing. It. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'd never thought of it that way, but yeah, they're basically the exact same thing. Matt, you got a lot of you. You've done a lot of stuff. You've made a lot of comic books. What comic book are you making right now? Uh, I'm not making a comic book right now. I'm on this podcast. He's peeling potatoes. Oh damn it! Oh. You got me on that one. <laughs> Shit. Uh, right now, I am. Earlier today, I was working on a book called Hawkeye Freefall, which is a new comic book from the Marvel Comics Corporation. Mm-hmm. about uh, the best Avenger, Hawkeye, Clint Barton. And, nice. And his adventures in uh, being a superhero. And it's me and Otto Schmidt making a uh, funny, weird comic book together. At... Otto Schmidt is amazing, and I'm excited for everybody to see it. I just read it before the episode. I actually I worked out thinking I was going to have time to work out, shower, and read the book before the episode. I did not shower. I'm filthy. No I'm stewing in my own stink right now. Uh, I, on, I'm going to try and get that pull quote on the trade. I read like, the book. I couldn't put it down. <laughs> didn't shower afterwards. <laughs> um, yes, I also I also just read it before we hopped on. Issue one is fantastic, mm-hmm. super funny, 
super super like you know street level stuff here and that's what makes a hawk because you know at the very beginning of the book you you have him point out yeah i've got no superpowers i'm just a super handsome dude it's really good with a bow and arrow um and uh the the story that you're that you're starting to unravel right here in the the first issue here is really cool and uh really ground level stuff uh, i would so say that it was it was actually genuinely funny which is hard to pull off in a comic book there was a mm-hmm. few things that made me laugh i i don't think i'm giving anything away but the smooch smooch stuff was hilarious mm-hmm. was that was it written that way or was that otto's uh, interpretation uh, I did it as one panel, and he did it as more. But he, they weren't. There was no sound effects. The sound effects was lettering. So like, I just had black panels, and I was like, okay, what do I do this? Otto really goes uh, wild on a script. He's adding mm-hmm. panels left and right, and it took me, uh, which like I'm used to in my indie stuff, but at Marvel, like I'm not. Usually, people mm-hmm. are pretty rigid about that. Um, but it's it, Hawkeye's been fun, especially in issue two, because I realized like he's he's giving moments like great reaction shots and great yeah his acting's fantastic his acting's fantastic he's doing these great character beats and it's like uh, uh, he's building the the page in his head in a way that like it isn't on the page and so then i'm trying to reconstruct it and it sort of pushes me to do better it's it's a lot more back and forth than i'm used to on a marvel book but it's really i think it's a better book because of it yeah all the all the jokes hit in the the acting and all the moment, the beats hit really well because, and I think a lot of that had to do with him, you know, doing it his way. For sure. For sure. He's definitely like, uh, running with it and I'm just trying to catch up and it's, mm-hmm. it's so fun to do it that way because he's like, you know, like I, I, when you, when you get a book with someone you haven't worked with before, especially as a writer, I find a lot of times you're kind of trying to figure out like, well, what, what is their strong suit? Like, what are they good at? And with Otto, it's like, well, he's really good at action, but he's really good at, at, at acting and character moments. And like, he's good at just like the dynamic, cool posing. And I was like, shit, he's good at everything. Like, I can't yeah. like, I'm not leaning a book one way towards anything because he can really do it all. Uh, yeah, w- one of my favorite scenes, again, not trying to give anything away, but was between Clint and his lady friend. That whole scene was so well done. It, and it's just a quiet thing but they they all were doing different things in the panels and they weren't just standing there it was it was amazing yeah yeah. you should see the uh version that uh wasn't allowed to go to print because uh i had a feeling there was there was some risky stuff in there where i was like hmm i wonder if they had to fight over this a little bit yeah hawkeye's a little sexy this is a sexy hawkeye that's a little sexy (laughs) yeah he uh uh otto's first version i it came in and i was like oh damn and then no one said anything for a bit. And I was like, oh, wow, can we do this? And then, like, <laughs> four days in, they were like, oh, by the way, we definitely can't do this. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it just right. took longer for them to realize what we were trying to do. But, you know, issue uh, issue three's got, uh, even on the script, they were like, whoa, that's a little too sexy. And I was like, well, let's see how he draws it. Maybe he'll make it more tame, knowing that he definitely will not. Yeah, so, he will. <laughs> that's going to be fun. Sweet. Um, yeah, no, Clint's got, like, some, uh, some really great sort of personality and attitude that, that Otto really, like, brings through in, the, in his facial expressions, um, and it's just makes really, really, like, just is the ribbon on top and seals the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did Otto color that also? Yes, he did. Okay, well, mm-hmm. we're gonna hang up on you and we're gonna call Otto now. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid good. He's uh, Stupid good. yeah. It's it's crazy beautiful when it comes in, and it's funny because he just he s- turns in roughs and and they're great, and then you just get like the whole thing in an email, mm-hmm. and you're just like, 
I just took a day and I'm just like staring at it, being like, "Oh my god!" Oh yeah, because it would come in with all the colors and everything. Yeah, it's it comes. Crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't see. I don't see any like. I don't see. There's very rough roughs, and then there's finished pages, and it's nice. yeah. It's it's a really fun way to work. Uh, I I wish we could do ten thousand issues. That's my that's my number. That's the number I'm going. That's a lot. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. a lot. Okay, freefall issue ten thousand. It's ten thousand. They're like it's weird that they gave us a subtitle and made it go to ten thousand. <laughs> so uh, tell us about how this uh, how prefall started. How did you guys get here? Why are you working on this right now? What is it about Hawkeye that uh, makes you want to write him for a bit? Yeah, um, you know, I, I jokingly said at the top uh, that Hawkeye is. Uh, the best Avenger, but I actually, uh, in some ways, uh, sort of believe that because, you know, all the all the Avengers are cool, blah blah blah. But like Hawkeye is the actual. I mean, people always talk about like Peter Parker being the sort of the window into the Marvel universe because he's the everyman, but he's not. He's like super powerful and has a spider sense and all these things. Hawkeye is literally just a kind of weird dude who fucks up a lot, who's very <laughs> good at one thing, mm-hmm. and is like, well, I fuck up so much that I should. Hey, can I curse? Yeah, because I'm doing. Oh it. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He just Hawkeye. You know, like Clint messes up so much stuff that he feels like he needs to try and be a hero to make right. And so you see the world, like you know, I I always make the point, like when the Hulk and Thor and Hawkeye uh, run into a fight, like it's not the same thing for the three of them to run into a fight together. Like things that you know, Hulk and Thor might have a bad day, and and Hawkeye could die. So like what everything means to him is so much so much bigger and like the stakes are so much greater but he is just this sort of like calm cool funny guy and so i i find him very relatable because he fucks up a lot and i find him very relatable because he's just like trying to do good but so i've always been a huge fan of his but uh i did a book a year and a half ago with a travel foreman called tales of suspense that was a hawkeye bucky book and i i just loved writing both of them I think they're super funny together. Um, they're such a yin and yang. And when it finished, I was like, hey, we should do a Hawkeye book. And Marvel was like, yes. And then I started writing Uncanny X-Men and, and more Punisher, and that just sort of fell by the wayside. Um, and finally, I wrapped on X-Men and was like, hey, let's circle back to that Hawkeye book. And, and so here we are. Um, yeah, I, I, he's just a character that I really love. And I, I, the thing that I really is fun for me about doing a Hawkeye is that you know, like, I love the old 80s Hawkeye stuff, the, you know, Avenger Spotlight and, and solo Avenger stuff, but mm-hmm. it's the Matt Fraction, uh, David Aha stuff that, like, you know, changed the game for Hawkeye totally. and superhero books. And everyone who's done it since then has done awesome things, but you have this weird, unique problem with Hawkeye of, like, you can either be, they, what they did is so interesting and unique, you can either be a, a Matt Fraction, David Aja cover band or you can like throw out a bunch of things that work to try and reinvent a, uh, the wheel when it's already running. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's a really fun challenge to be like, what do we keep? What do we lose? How do we make this not just be a crappy version of something that everybody already loves? How do we make it mm-hmm. feel fresh and interesting and honor what they did, but also feel different? And that's, you know, like, it's solving a problem in, in, a, in a very functional way that I think is a really fun challenge as a writer. And, and hopefully me and Otto, uh, you know, have a unique take that still feels Hawkeye is our goal. If you don't mind me asking, like, what was your approach with trying not to retrace the steps that have been taken in recent runs and trying to come at it from a new direction? Like, what, what, how, where did you start that thought process? 
That's a good question. I do mind you asking. Um, <laughs> no, no, stuffing uh, hater Ethan. Yeah, <laughs> stuffing's uh, fine. Where did I start on the process of not doing what they did? Um, yeah, I mean, I reread all of it again and sort of was like, kind of studying it and seeing places that I'd ripped it off in other books without trying to and being like, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Um, no, I, you know, it's it's hard. It's really difficult, weird challenge to be consciously not trying to do things that you enjoy yeah. in your book. Right, right. To be like, this is good. I don't want to do it. It's a subtractive mind state, which is hard. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, I a big thing for me was like, that book is very much about Clint not in his downtime, not being a superhero. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to be superhero stuff. He's going to be doing mm -hmm. superhero stuff. Like... He needs to, we need to differentiate ourselves like tonally that way. I, you know, I wanted it to sort of be that. I wanted it to be uh, a little more embedded in the Marvel Universe in some ways than theirs was. Like theirs has people pass through, but it feels like Marvel characters are in Hawkeye's world rather than Hawkeye's mm -hmm. in the Marvel Universe in some ways. And I don't mean that as a negative, but so I wanted to more plant my feet in the, the MU. But a, a lot of it is just like, how how jokes and structure work i mean some of it would be up to auto but like um just structuring pages and and gags and and beats and being a little more i wanted to be a little more esoteric a little less esoteric and a little more superhero-y um was a big one for me i i definitely you know we want to stand out on a shelf but we don't want to be like that's the weird book because like that Hawkeye book was the weird book at the time, and I think it still reads as the weird book in the best possible way. And mm -hmm. um, are there any other great Hawkeye runs besides Matt's that you hold up on a pedestal? I'm just curious because I'm I'm trying to think. Like Hawkeye hasn't always had his own book, you know. So, so. no, yeah, he's he's a real underdog in terms of books. I mean, I love those those uh, Avenger Spotlight books, but those are all like one shots and one and dones or two parters where it's like Hawkeye and someone else. Um, mm -hmm. And, and those, are very, those are very of their time, uh, which I, I, I love. I guess the thing that Matt showed was that you can do a Hawkeye book where he's the main guy uh, for the first time, really. Yeah. I mean, the, the runs that have come after, like Jeff Lemire has a great run. Um, mm -hmm. No, yeah, like, yeah, they all did great stuff, for sure. Kelly, Kelly Thompson's running with I love great Kate Bishop yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, Kelly's is amazing, but it's, it's a Kate book. Right. Um, That's how I became aware of Kelly's work was reading that, and I was like, "Ooh, this is really cool." Yeah. Especially her dialogue and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, everyone who's uh, since Matt, like, to me, it's a very prestige book. I don't know how other people feel, but like, I feel very honored to be to be following in their footsteps. But like, obviously, Matt and David are the the like, and you know, Annie Wu does stuff in there, and and uh, Hollingsworth colors it, I believe, and. It's a, uh, you know, that to me is the height of it. I don't think I'm offending anyone by saying that. But yeah, I mean. It very much was an indie book that they did at Marvel at that time. Right, and right, it sounds right, to right. me like what, that you're going to take it back to more of like the. Yeah, we're, try, we're trying to cover, split the difference is right. my idea. Yeah, and that's kind of what Otto's artwork is like too. Yes, yeah. I, yeah. Think, mm -hmm. I think Otto is. Uh, for the average Marvel fan who's used to a certain style, I think they can still look at Otto's stuff and be like, this is cool. It's not normally... I, I think there are some people who are going to be like, this isn't normally what I go for, but I right. love it. Um, and that's, you know, that's sort of perfect. I mean, we, when, we were, when we were putting the book together, Alana, my editor, and I, 
uh, we went through a lot of artists and I kept saying to her like I would kill to work with this person I don't think they're a good fit for this book I was like give me something <laughs> else with this person uh -huh. and I'll be so happy and then you know we went back and forth and back and forth and then someone said Otto and I think me and me and Alana both were like oh my god is he available and they were like I don't know and we were like can we find yeah. out like um, he just as soon as his name came up I was like yeah he's sort of the guy who has to do it in my head so uh, issue issue one and two are both January but issue one is January 1st so okay, uh, there's still time to call your local comic shop and be like hey I heard this is the coolest book that's ever going to come out and they'll be like I don't know what you're talking about and you'll be like just buy it for me please I would urge anyone that is unsure about Otto's work if, they, if they're looking at it if they're a hardcore Marvel fan uh, to just understand that I give my seal of approval and I am right it is amazing <laughs> artwork. So, you know, I always feel like sometimes I go into a, a book and I'm like, I don't know, you know, like I'm, this art's pretty cool. But then I read like two or three issues and I'm like, oh, I get it now. Stick it out with Otto. Not, not that they're going to have trouble, but just in case, I'm just saying like, this guy's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. And, and two looks better. Like every issue looks better than the one before because I think we're, we're gelling better. I'm not stepping on his toes so much. I'm giving him more of what he can do. Right. Um, best there's a lot of a lot more sexiness if you like sexy ladies mm. and sexy oh, Clint yeah. Barton uh, there's some cool guest stars there's a, a guy named Spider-Man who might show I've up I've never heard of him he's cool I guess oh auto drawing Spider-Man yeah that's gonna be oh, so no. fucking sick though. Matt don't do it <laughs> <laughs> I think the sexiness is an important aspect of Hawkeye because the general audience knows him as Jeremy Renner who of course is very <laughs> sexy that's He's correct. ugly sexy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I think Jeremy Renner is uh, sexy sexy. Um, mm. Otto's is sexy sexy. Jeremy Renner is ugly sexy. Do not fight me on my own podcast, Matthew. He's got this, he's got this raw, <laughs> ugly sexiness. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, can you give a working definition of ugly sexy and some more examples? <laughs> well, like if you saw, if, if I stood next to Jeremy Renner. No, uh -huh. actually, no, he's pretty jacked right now. Uh, I'm just saying, if you saw him, if you saw him in person, you wouldn't mm -hmm. be like, "Oh my God, that guy!" You know, you have to see him in action. You have to see him to, naked. To, you have to see the charisma, <laughs> the charisma and the intensity, the smolder. Uh -huh. I think I might be in love with Jeremy Renner. <laughs> well, then, do, well, do you have his app? What is his? It's app? over. He closed oh, it. He shut yeah, it they shut it down. What was the app? Uh, are we getting into this? <laughs> yes, real quick, please. Jeremy Renner had an app where you could you could pay to post on it and get his attention, and also it had like photos, but only of Jeremy Renner. It's like Instagram, but it was just <laughs> Jeremy Renner. Uh, but it was shut down because people were pretending to be Jeremy Renner and and making money from it. Oh my god, that is so weird. It is so amazing. I think it, it sort of coincided with his album, right? He was promoting an album. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. He's getting less sexy as you guys talk about this to me. <laughs> Did you miss the part where we said he had his own app? Because that's yeah. Sexy. yeah you right. just said he had an album. Yeah, he yes. sings that, and he's got that oh, car commercial. Dear. He's got a car commercial where he's driving the car and he's just listening to his own album. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Matthew. Matthew, have you listened to it? The album. Yeah. yeah, I'm writing Hawkeye. Of course I have. Have you really? <laughs> uh, no. I was just... So, 
I think you're doing a bad job because you haven't listened to it. I, I will say yeah. this: I went out and I bought a bow and arrow and took archery lessons, but did I you? haven't. Yeah, I did, <laughs> but I haven't uh, listened to Jeremy Renner's album. But you know what? Maybe I will. Maybe I'll write the next issue. I'll of say this, uh, listeners: please message Matt on Twitter at Ashcan Press and tell him you want him to listen to the album, please. And Matthew, <laughs> we want we want you to live tweet your feelings about the album as you listen to it. If you could set up like a playlist of like how the album would line up as a soundtrack for Hawkeye Freefall number one, that'd be sick. We're done. I think all of this is happening. <laughs> all right. Great. I'm glad you came on the podcast. Anyway, have a good one. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, we got it. We got it, Ryan. We figured it out. <laughs> you guys let me know when I'm supposed to hit record on the audio thing, right? Oh. Uh. Okay. That's Hawkeye. Yeah. It's going to be great. January 1st, issue one. January 1st, 2020. Kicking off the new year with a brand new uh, Hawkeye series from Arrowsburg. Read it when you're hungover. Mm -hmm. Matthew Mm -hmm. won't be Matthew Straight Edge. I'll be hungover reading Hawkeye number... (laughs) Well, I've already read it, but... You're going to read it again, though, right? I'll read it again. Yeah, when I buy my physical copy. So I can get Matt Mm -hmm. to sign it. (laughs) Matt... We've got a couple of questions here that we that we like asking all the folks that we bring on here, and we're gonna do those questions right now. Up first is what is your favorite single issue comic book ever? Ever, ever. Uh, any comic book ever? ever. Uh, okay, um, that's a really hard question. Wait, can I cut in real quick? Yeah, sure. Yes. I gotta tell you something. Just at Louisville, this past two weeks ago, two weekends ago, I bought Donnie Uzumaki by Junji Ito. And he, he said, I already have this. Matthew bought it for me, and I'm not going to read it because it's backwards. <laughs> <laughs> what? There's, an, a, there's a, a better addendum to that if you want. I didn't buy it for him. I bought you didn't? It for Me- I bought it for Megan. Oh, okay. When you guys were signing at Midtown Comics, uh, I was looking for the last Junji Ito, the last one that was published. Is it Smashed or whatever the last Junji Ito yeah, yeah. was that came out. And I was with Megan Hutchinson, Donnie's mm-hmm. betrothed, and she's, she was like, oh, I'm not really familiar with this stuff. And I was like, oh, you don't know Uzumaki? And then she was like, it's sort of familiar, and I described it to her, and then I bought it for her and gave it to her as a gift. So Donnie is uh, taking that, and no, he's definitely not going to read it. I don't think he knows how to read. I don't, yeah, I've never seen him actually read. Does Donnie hate manga? Is that what we're finding out? I think he might. I th- I, he, or he likes it reversed, which is yeah. He, like if Dark Horse reprints it and it's you know front to back, then he'll read it. But otherwise, he's he's out. Wow. Don't the dark are the Dark Horse reprints aren't front to back. They they used to be in the '90s and early 2000s, but they they gave that up. All of my Blade of the Immortals are front to back. I'm realizing. That surprises me though, because book. Donnie's a man of the world. He does a lot of flying, a lot of jet setting. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking it took my son. About three minutes to figure out how to read a manga comic. I'm like, Donnie. And then I just had this book that I already have. I like had bought him a gift and he's just like, I already got it. Not going to read it. <laughs> I just handed it off to somebody that was sitting there. I was just like, yeah, well, you can have this. All right, go ahead. Favorite single issue. Oh, jeez, I forgot what we were doing. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to do... Uh, oh, this is hard. Um I'll be honest, my favorite single issue might be uh, from the Brubaker run on Daredevil. Okay. Uh, the first, the Daredevil 116, I think it is, 
uh, I'm so bad at the numbers. People are always like, it's this number. I think it's 116, which is the, the kingpin in, in Spain story. I think it's uh, Brubaker and David Aha again. He's coming up mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's the story of, of Wilson Fisk sort of moving on from Vanessa's death and settling down and, and finding love. And it, it, to me, was like, the Kingpin's my favorite villain in the Marvel Universe, and I, I never seen so well, like, the, the move from taking a character who you, like, fear and hate and making you, like, like them and then pity them and then sort of, by the end of it, you're like, yeah, Kingpin, like, go brutalize people, you <laughs> fucking monster. It's like, it's, it's such a transformative 20 pages of, like, storytelling where, like, it's this whole emotional journey of this guy who is sometimes very one-dimensional and it's like it's it's beautiful and it's sad and it's weird and it's it's you just you finish it and you're just like angry and want to see him hurt people and then it goes into it and it's like oh he's gonna hurt daredevil fuck like it's it's so <laughs> That's smart pretty awesome, and well done. Yeah. I, I feel like they maybe used a little bit of that template for the show yeah yeah i think uh, yeah i think they crib a lot from from that run and from bendis's run um for sure um that you know, if you ask me tomorrow, I might have a different uh, favorite issue. But that that's definitely can you, up there. Can you pinpoint how that one has influenced you, or is it just kind of you know everything influences you and you just pull from the? From the... I mean, uh, you know, I I think a big thing I I really do love, uh, you know, it, it really showed me the value of making characters like every character more dimensional and and mm -hmm. more, you know, like the there's something fun about the cartoony villains who just want to burn the world down, but like. You know, there's a reason that one of my first books at Marvel was Kingpin, because I was like, I want to do a sympathetic Kingpin book. I, I think he's, you know, he's Spider-Man just with a slightly different right. path. Like, he, he does care about the city. He does want to help people. But he also can't stop being sort of greedy and, and like, using the machine in the wrong ways. And, and I, I learned a lot of that from him. And I also just, I love ripping the rug out from other people as a, as a storytelling tool. And I think Brubaker does right. that flawlessly. And that issue, like, it's when the page turn is a gut punch when you're just like, oh, you sort of know it's coming and it still hits so hard. So, listeners, go seek out Daredevil 116, I think you said. I'm going to say it's 116. It's the first issue of the Return of the King arc. So, I think that's 116. Or if you read the trade, it's the first issue in that trade, I believe. Did you notice how in Absolute Carnage we made Carnage very sympathetic? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not familiar with uh, that. We, we didn't. But you read it. Anyway. anyway. Oh, I, read uh, <laughs> it. I, I believe I gave you a good idea for Absolute Carnage that you guys didn't use. So What was it? I'm not going to say it here. Oh, okay. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. For the record, yes, Return of the King starts in Daredevil 116. All right. Ethan, have you read that one? Ethan, you've read everything. You yeah, read that. yeah, 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 yeah. Have you? Yeah, of course. Are you underwhelmed by it? No, it's great. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Someday we'll get Ethan's favorite single issue of all time, but today is not that day, Ethan. It'll be once I'm, I'm it to you're interviewing me as a comic book writer. I'll be on here. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, but you, you'll still be running the podcast, right? Yeah, no, I'll still be doing that. I own too. you, correct? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yes. Um. Okay, next question. Favorite all-time comic book writer? Uh, You know, it's... Uh... And I've only written three issues, so it'd be inappropriate to say me. Four issues. <laughs> not inappropriate. I'm just not going to do it. Um, <laughs> if he, uh, you know, I, I love Alan Moore a lot. Um, I I am on a mad hunt to to collect everything Alan Moore's ever written. 
Uh, it's sort of a lifelong goal because there's a lot of weird British things that are really hard to find. Um, but honestly, uh, my favorite writer is uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so, so what, what's the, why? 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 Uh, <laughs> Brian is a guy who, you know, I was reading comics as a fan and I remember, you know, I, I sort of grew up with comics and I was reading 80s and, you know, nine, not, not a lot. Of, I was reading 80s comics when I was really little and then 90s comics and, um, and then you sort of watch them grow up and you watch, mm-hmm. you know, like obviously before then, but like you sort of come into your Watchmen and your Sandman and your, you know, whatever, your Frank Miller Daredevils and, and things like that. And you're like watching the medium grow and evolve and get smarter and, and more mature. And it's, it's something that's really impressive. But reading the first issue of Powers for me, mm. um, that was the first time in years that I'd been like, oh, I didn't know you could do this. And it's, right. it's not... It's not about being, you know, like Alan Moore is a writer who's great, but part of the reason he's great is just because he's so much fucking smarter than everyone else. Right. (laughs) And he knows it, too. And he knows it. And he can just dunk on everybody and just be like, yeah, these are themes that have been here and for all of time. And you've always worried about this and you didn't know it. And there you're like, like, oh, he's really looking into my soul. Whereas Brian (laughs) just is like he's doing that thing that that great writers do of like building characters and worlds and dialogue that feel realistic but not actually realistic they feel like what you wish reality was like yeah and it's and it's you know i can see his influence on your work for sure in that hawkeye issue definitely yeah i mean i try and scale it back as much as can because otherwise i'd just be ripping him off all the time but he's just you know and i think there's a bunch of writers of sort of my my that came up with me, my generation, that, like, Brian was, like, a revelation of, like, oh, I didn't know that, like, it, it's not about being smart. It's just about, like, this is cool and interesting and funny mm-hmm. and it can do all these things and it's not flashy. He's not right. He's not a flashy writer. He's just fucking good. Um, yeah, yeah. So that for me, and then, uh, you know, he constantly impresses me, he constantly blows me away, like, 20 years into reading his work. And, and then on top of that, like, he's just a great great person for the inside baseball he's just like been incredibly kind to me and a ton of people i know and are you reading his work over at dc right now i am i read everything in trade so i'm behind because dc's trade program is a little slow but yeah Yeah. i uh i've never been the biggest superman guy and i was so excited when he got superman because i was like oh i'm gonna fall in love with superman like i'm i I, I was like thrilled to fall in love with superman and i am and it's it's awesome yeah Mm -hmm. yeah to he, I once said on Twitter about Absolute Carnage, I said, I promise no uh, conference table scenes. And people were started going, oh, throwing shade at Bendis and like tagging him. And I was like, no, 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 no. Bendis can, is the only one that should do a conference table yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I meant like, because everybody else has been trying to do them since he did them. Yeah. You know, because he was so influential mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm, way. But mm-hmm. he, he's amazing at it. Like Bendis is a master of dialogue, you know. And, yeah, and, and so he could just have that an issue of that. And it's like funny as hell. He's the David Mamet of comics or, you know, whoever, yeah. Aaron Sorkin, whoever you want to say, like he is the dialogue king uh there's the issue of uh i guess new avengers when when dark rain is happening where norman osborne unveils the dark avengers and the new avengers are watching on tv and trying to figure out who all the dark avengers are (laughs) and it's it's literally a superhero team 
sitting around on a couch watching another superhero team talk on TV, <laughs> and it's right. the most fun comic I'd ever read. And I was yeah. like, I remember finishing it and being actually mad that it was only a 20-page comic and being like, I would have read that for 60 pages of them just, like, talking. <laughs> you know, like, when they bring out Wolverine's son and they're all like, who's that? And, like, Wolverine's just like, it's my kid. And it's, like, so good and, like, it's so heavy. And then when when Clint figures out that that Bullseye is Hawkeye and he's just like, oh, I'm going to go kill him. I'm going to kill him. It, the whole issue is perfect. And it's, it's flawless. Did you start with him at Powers, or had you read Jinx and Fortune and Glory and Torso? I, I read, I think, Goldfish and Torso. Um, okay. I was actually, uh, I grew up as a Marvel kid, but stopped reading Marvel for a while. Um, it just, it just, uh, you know, I, I, at a certain point, as a lot of people do, like I discovered Love and Rockets and Eight Ball and Hate and you know Optic Nerve and all that stuff, and I just became like an indie comics guy for a long time. Um, and I just drifted away from Marvel, and I always loved the characters and the the crime stuff that was coming out. I was really getting into, and and Bendis was like the the best at it, and doing the you know the crime stuff I loved. And I just yeah, remember nice. the guy the guy at my local comic shop kept saying to me like, "Have you read his Daredevil though?" And I was like, "No, no, I'm not going to read Marvel books. It's like fine." And I, I I knew it because I knew that like once I started, I would never stop again. Right. And I was like, no, no. And they were like, he's like, his Daredevil's great. Like, you should read his Daredevil. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. And then I read everything he'd written except for his Marvel <laughs> books. And they were like, and the guy at my comic shop finally was like, do you like Daredevil? And I was like, oh, yeah, he's one of my favorite characters in all of fiction. And he was like, this is the best Daredevil comic there's ever been by your favorite writer. What's wrong with you? And I went and read it. And within a week, I think I was, you know, spending $200 a week at the comic book store on Marvel Ooh. books, just like going back and reading everything. And that, and that to me was like such a great, uh, when Joe Casada was editor in took over as editor in chief, that to me is like, a, sort of like a real renaissance of, of comics and Absolutely. my love for comics. So, yeah. Yeah. Bendis used to do the local Motor City Comic Con every year because I think he still lived in Cleveland at the time. And uh, so him and David Mack would do um, Motor City Comic Con every year. So when I started going at like 15 years old, he would always be there. So he was just another guy in this sea of people. But Wizard would give him right out, up so I kind of knew of him or whatever. And... Uh, he one time when I was walking by and I didn't have any money at this time right like I'm, I'm a kid and uh, he's like hey Michigan State because I'm wearing a Michigan State shirt because I think I was you know I was gonna go to school there and I was like yeah and he's like oh my friend went there and he he you know he's such a great salesman also so he starts talking to me and then next thing I know I had bought everything on his table and this was before his Marvel <laughs> stuff at all. And I read all of it, and I was like, this guy is fucking amazing. This is incredible. And then, like, I swear it wasn't. It was, like, a year later, and suddenly he was at Marvel, and then he just skyrocketed all the way to the top. It was cool. Good experience. He's cool. Absolutely. The way his, not only in his dialogue, but the just the, the structure of his stories are just so goddamn cinematic that it's yeah. hard to not just, like, feel so, like, if you're doing singlish, you just page 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 you're like shit it's done next one go 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 <laughs> like you can consume it so fast uh and and it's so fucking good and he the, like the dude took spider-man after whatever 30 40 years and somehow made a spider-man comic that was more emotional and and uh lifelike than anything that had come before and that's Absolutely. just bonkers yeah. like yeah. it's so goddamn good i i think i think it's funny because i think a lot of people 
when they try and reduce what Bendis is, like they talk about the dialogue and nitpick the dialogue. And I'm like, actually, you know, like forgetting dialogue and characterization, like his pacing and like mm -hmm. his structure and the way he builds mm -hmm. a story, like they're so welcoming. Like you can give his books to anyone and like they'll get them and be enthralled. And it's not, Absolutely. they're not built on like a lot of tricks that a lot of us, especially at the big two, like rely on. He's just so much sharper. And it, but it just feels so accessible, I think, because his dialogue is so warm and welcoming that I think people don't notice. It's not, he's not flashy at all right. in the best possible way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in the same exact vein, we talked about writers. What's your, uh, who is your favorite all-time artist? <clears throat> I mean, it's a, it's a three-way toss-up. Obviously, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Thank um, you. I hope that doesn't embarrass you, Ryan. Oh, that uh, feels great. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I'm a huge uh, Jeff Darrow fan. Like yes, Jeff Darrow is, is someone who like every single thing he draws, like I, I just feel like I want to study it. But um, it's weird because the the books he's the the other person I, I, the, in my I'm gonna name like the books he's done aren't necessarily favorite books of mine, but mm -hmm. his work is something that like I I can't sort of put into words and it, and that's Bernie Wrightson like mm -hmm. uh, I just remember being at a con and and Bernie was there and and I knew his stuff and I liked it and then just seeing pages of his I I just remember. I saw a page of his and I was just like, excuse me, is this for, for sale? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, how much is it? And it was some large amount of thousands of dollars. And I think I had less than $100 in my bank account. <laughs> and I literally stood there being like, how could I do this? Like, how could I make this happen? <laughs> like, I have three. Can I turn a trick? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I literally was like, I have cr three credit cards that I could max out. I could borrow money from five, p and I was just like, I need to own this. It's so powerful, like every pencil line, and I, I you know, the way Bernie's stuff works. Like I, I remember going. Uh, I was in London, and I, I went, and there was a, a Van Gogh, and I rounded a corner, and there's just like one of those like perfectly framed museum lights on on a. Yeah you know a, a van gogh from from the blue period and it's one of those things where like you just feel your breath catch and you're like i don't i don't have words to put into why this stopped me in my tracks it's just like my whole body feels this on a, on a really visceral level and that's that's bernie's work when i see it um but jeff dar is up there for sure right there with him of just like people that i they don't feel human to me they feel like something yeah. else yeah. right mm -hmm. you like detail <laughs> yeah, I like detail. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I you know, I, I there's a lot of people that I, I I love, and I don't think it's always detail, but like those two guys, it feels you know like it feels like Caravaggio. It feels like like you're it's something you could study for days and days and just lose yourself in and and always get more out of it. And I and right. those I really love. And sometimes the more you're getting is like, oh look, there's a tiny dog with a foot in its mouth and a tiny <laughs> there's a tiny dinosaur riding a pig, and I didn't notice that. But you know. That's great too. Totally. Excellent. Good call. Uh, next question is what's your favorite story arc? I'm going to do a cheat and say uh, 
I'm going to consider it one story and say all of Ultimate Spider-Man. Is that shitty? Yeah. No, that's good. I, I think it's Ultimate Spider-Man is the perfect superhero comic. I think you meet... Uh, when I was a kid, um, my dad used to say to me that the comic books weren't real weren't real stories because a story is a simple thing. And he says a curtain goes up and you meet a character and when the curtain goes down, that character is different. And he used to say, Peter Parker, how is Peter Parker different now than he was when I was a kid? And I didn't have an answer for that. Now obviously you could be like, well his girlfriend died and so he's a little angrier and he graduated high school. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, you're not getting a story. And, and it, it took a long time for me to explain to my dad that it's like, well comics is a different type of story that like we're not really accustomed to. Um, but Ultimate Spider-Man is that kind of story. You meet a kid who has no special powers, and at the end of it, you've watched him grow up, live a life, and die, and you've sort of done it all with him. And, and you know, in the time it took for them to make that book, and I'm reading along, like, you really did grow up with Ultimate Peter, and it's just, yeah. you know, crushing. His death is just, you know, the, the last issue, the not the last issue, not 160, but the Requiem mm -hmm. uh, is, is a is a near near perfect i would say it is probably a perfect comic book um yeah. there's i don't think there's i was gonna say i don't think there's a single punch thrown in it but i think there is one punch thrown in it and it's aunt may punching captain america yeah. i guess she slaps him but it's it's just flawless storytelling from from go i don't think there's any part of it that i would take out um i just love it so much when you said you you didn't know if you were cheating, I thought you were going to say that it was the first arc of Hawkeye Freefall uh, on sale January first. Yeah. I mean, let's let's see how it goes. But yeah, Hawkeye Freefall <laughs> is definitely going to be up there. I mean, I think it's gonna, <laughs> you know, probably in a year that's going to be the the sort of default answer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Spider Man is like mine and Ethan's go to, as obviously is for a lot of people. Me but, too, like, and Donnie, and Donnie, and Ryan Stegman whose podcast we are on. Um, That's why we're and all best ul friends. <laughs> yep. Ultimate is like, I think some people, because they want to be like, I don't know, some sort of purist or something like that, or, or uh, not into something that came out in the past 20 years or whatever, people are like, when they ask, what's the best Spider-Man thing? And everyone's just like, mm, no, you know, it's all this stuff. And it's like, it's Ultimate Spider-Man. It's Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of brilliant Spider-Man stuff. Like, the fight for second place is brutal and full of yeah. amazing books, but it's Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. But yeah. top spot is Ultimate. And, yeah, the Peter stuff is incredible. But can we also talk about how, like, the springboard from Peter into Miles oh. also is, like, Flawless, just yeah. incredible. I and then... Yeah. His whole run on Miles, uh, especially the stuff that's still in the Ultimate Universe in particular, I think is just like top buck. We should just much. title that this episode is just a Brian Michael Bendis love fest. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we can call it that. The uh, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say what we can call it. It's not my podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the funny thing is the the I said to when I first met Bendis, I said, you know, one of my favorite moments in all of comics is is in a is in an Ultimate Spider-Man related and he was like oh what's that and I was like it's in Spider-Man which is the 616 crossover with Miles and it's when uh, it's when Peter goes over to the Ultimate Universe and he's sitting with Gwen Stacy and and they're just sitting in her house and she's asking him all these questions and she's like uh, 
you know, she's like, you know, what are you are you like in a relationship? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm with Mary Jane. And she's like, you you're dating Mary Jane? And she's like super grossed out. And he's like, yeah, she's a model. And she's like, Mary Jane's a model? And she's super upset. <laughs> and it's so funny. And then she goes, what am I? And it's just the most gut punch moment. Oh. And he just looks down. And he goes, I think we should talk about something else. And like. It says Damn. so much that about it. so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good. And I, I said this to Brian. I was like, it's, my, it's one of my favorite moments in all of comics. And yeah, he, absolutely. And I think he was like so taken aback because like he does beats and moments like that all the time. Yeah, right. it's just every day for him. Yeah, and I was like, no, it's just like that. You know, that was, a, that was a put the book down and go for a walk moment. Like I didn't even finish the issue. I needed to like <laughs> yeah. get a fresh air. And so, yeah, Spider-Man's pretty totally. cool, guys. <laughs> all right fave current series favorite current comic book series what is your favorite i'm doing a great <laughs> new voice for the podcast guys wow you want to try your other one that you know you, you guys to... you guys did not respond well to that voice good it was not market as well um favorite current series um i really love uh i'm loving crowded from image yeah who does that one uh chris sabella and oh, okay. uh, ted and roe and and it's just it's it's funny and it's weird and it's cool. I, I think Sabella is one of the great. Um, I just said this on a different podcast, so please forgive me if you're double dipping That's on great. me. Uh, but I think he's one of the great idea men. Like he just has all these ideas that are just so big and world building in a fun way. Um, that's a that's a favorite of mine. Um, what else am I loving lately? I don't know. Uh, obviously, Absolute Carnage was really great. Um, oh, it would have been so better sweet. if you guys had used the idea that I had. Uh, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> remind me of what that is at some point. Can we not say on the air what Matt's idea was? He's oh, refusing. I'm not giving it away. I'm not giving it away. Ah, oh, damn it! Just in case he wants to use it, that's gonna be my carnage pitch. Um, <laughs> he's dead. He's never coming back. But my pitch never was, ever. what if he wasn't dead? Oh, that's good. That is good. That, yeah. Wow. Uh, no, I, I really love the Kelly's Captain Marvel. I think it's been great. Um, the House of X and Powers of Ten were kind of jaw-droppingly good. Um, what about DC, Matthew? What about DC Comics? You know what book is is? Uh, <laughs> I started to say this, and then I'm like, oh, this is really embarrassing. Uh, the Bendis Darrington Batman book is really good. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I haven't read that yet. Uh, yeah, it's really good. I was with a bunch of the DC writers, and they had—I uh, don't want to name names because I don't want to get anyone in trouble—but they had an advanced copy of it when it was when it was the Walmart book, and they were all reading it, and they were all just shaking their heads. And I was like, "What is that?" And they were like, "It's the Bendis Darrington Batman." And I was like, it, "And I couldn't tell if they were like it's terrible, shaking their heads, bummed because it was terrible, but like." <laughs> they were like just read it and I was like and I read it and my jaw was on the floor and then I, I looked up and I was like guys it's great and they were like we know and I was like oh, okay I thought you guys were like, like no, it's so good that they were all in just sort like, of angry disbelief dude did it again <laughs> yeah that, that's that been good you know what A Dial H for Hero has been so good Sam Humphreys Joe Quinones, uh just weird and fun like a book that I've never really connected with but Dial H for Hero has been awesome um, cool. There's DC books for you. All right. Sweet. Well, he gave us a million favorite current series. <laughs> we asked for your favorite, but it's whatever. Fine. I ruined it, guys. Whatever. We got Twitter questions. If we want to do a couple of those. So. Mm-hmm. All right. 
let's uh let's start it off here with uh Mr. Donny Cates says, who is your best friend and why is it me? Mike, I have a follow-up, but go ahead. Uh, well, can I just, I'll, I'll do a pre-question. Why are you friends with him at all? Now go ahead and answer his question. <laughs> so it's a three-parter. Um, yeah. My best friend is Donny. Uh, that's what I'm supposed to say, right? I, uh, I think Don, so. Donny is my best friend and the love of my life, and I love him so much. Um, he's why I agreed to come on this podcast. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, why am I friends with Donnie? I don't know. Uh, you know, he's a he's a sweet baby boy, and he's always a he acts all tough, and he and he and he looks all tough, but he's he's very sweet under there. He's like a Cadbury cream egg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love Donnie too. We love Donnie. Uncle Don, great guy. Uh, Matt McKnight, good good friend of the show. What would you bring to the mutant cookout? What would I bring? I would definitely not bring sausages because that's a disgusting way to eat uh, off of things that were inside someone's body. Um, what would I bring? You know what? I'm going to bring the chocolate milk. Oh, yeah. Matthew loves chocolate milk. I forgot about that. We, did, we didn't ask you any chocolate milk questions. A real missed opportunity. That's okay, guys. I'm here to talk about uh, the stuff you're into. What if yeah, you went you bring- to a cookout with the X-Men and it turned out that Wolverine was just cutting patches of his own flesh off and cooking them <laughs> and then growing them back. Would I eat, are you asking would I eat them? No, what you find out after you ate it. How do you react? I mean, I think that's okay. Act out the scenario. It's uh, <laughs> There's no way that he's not tough. Like, he's going to be chewy. Yeah. Wolverine could hypothetically solve world hunger. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I had an idea for a Deadpool one-shot I wanted to do once where he wakes up in, like, uh, a bathtub full of ice because someone has stolen his organs. Right. And then he finds out that he got really drunk and sold his own organs <laughs> to someone in need. That's and it's a awesome. mystery where he finds out the mystery at the end. is like, no, you gave your kidney to sick kids. Oh, you shouldn't have given that one away. You should have given that to Kelly. We'll edit it out. We'll edit it out, and Griffin and I will take it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a freebie, guys. Oh, sweet. Thanks. Um, uh, for the record, if I was going to the mutant cookout, I'd bring the stuffing. Anyway. Um, it's delicious. Ethan, mm-hmm. you're not invited. Yeah, okay. He's okay. used to not being invited to cookouts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian Level, ask oh, him dear. why he won't sit next to me at cons anymore. Why won't you sit next to him? Uh, most cons are done alphabetically now. Oh, all of them, yeah. All of them. So we're not allowed to sit next to each other unless there's literally no one between L and R. Um, <laughs> one reason I won't sit next to Brian is because I always wear uh, my sweatshirt for Brian's tattoo parlor, and Brian also wears that sweatshirt, and we look like idiots when we're wearing the same sweatshirt, <laughs> and he won't acknowledge that it's awkward or weird. So that becomes a problem. I'll also say this. I just sat at a table at Louisville where he was directly across from me, it was a nightmare. Every time I look up, he's just staring at me. He smelled bad. I can smell him across the aisle. He has bad hygiene. Uh, that's about it. Well, other than that, yeah. 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 So then if it's alphabetical, I mean, if then if you guys are ever at one, you wouldn't be too far from each other. Ryan, who do you usually end up next to? I don't know. Charles Soule. <laughs> Good call. Yep. Uh, yeah, 
I'm I, I'm I'm really like super duper famous, so they put me in my own area by myself with like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with the velvet ropes, and you know they have like line control, and there's people with uh, air horns and everything. It's a it's a real mess. You sit with yeah. like someone from Quantum Leap. Yeah. Or like a voice actor from like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, that's how famous I am. That's that's graduating out of comics famous. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, your green muse would you have done uncanny x-men differently if hickman wasn't about to reset the x line yeah of course um (laughs) yeah uh i was uh i killed a lot of them uh i wouldn't have done that if i didn't know they were coming back um (laughs) i I don't think marvel would have let me come in and kill uh 16 x-men in a book um i think they would have you been come in with your along. controversial pitch and they're like yeah that's fine yeah uh we sure. weren't uh gonna be using um any of the <laughs> coming up uh yeah no i mean I, the the idea like i knew we knew what hickman was doing um he'd come mm-hmm. in and and he'd been working on it forever and uh you know i'd heard him do the pitch and it's brilliant and we uh you know the the idea at marvel was that hickman is bringing the x-men into a new era and so that my job was to end the current era and and to marvel what mm-hmm. the, i said what does the current era entail and they said it's it begins with grant morrison and that to me means that it begins with grant morrison killing eight million mutants on genosha because that's the start of his run and i was like you know it's a uh, we we begin with the death of eight million mutants and the mutant race, and we end with the death of the X Men, and that was the end of the era. And I was the the my marching orders were sort of to to take it to a really dark place so that Hickman can bring it out into the light and and it be a celebration. Um, and it was it was it was you know really hard and sad and and fun and an honor to do it. And uh, it was very exciting to see what Jonathan was doing after me. So yeah, but it would be very different for sure. Uh, John Iker, uh, can you give us any hints at what you're working on next? It's called Hawkeye Freefall, but maybe something else? Yeah, I'm doing Hawkeye Freefall January 1st. Uh, in February, I'm doing a Forceworks miniseries um, that I'm very excited about. Uh, it's me and Juan and Ramirez, and it's U.S. Agent and War Machine and Quake and Mockingbird, uh, and it sort of ties into the Iron Man 2020 event that's coming up, and that's very fun. Um and then I have an image book coming out in the spring uh, called What's the Furthest Place From Here? It's um, Tyler Boss, who co-created and drew Four Kids Walking to a Bank uh, with me. Uh, it's our new thing that uh, we've been working on for a while and I'm super, super excited about. It's a very dark, dystopian coming of age story, sort of a, like a, uh, if we were nicer people, it would be a all ages book, but it's really dark and mean, so it's like, a, a really brutal all ages book maybe um kids book uh but it's 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 about kids who live in the wasteland after the world ends and trying to find out a friend of theirs goes missing and they're trying to find them and it's sort of like mad max meets the warriors meets some someone someone did a really good they were like it's it's mad max meets high fidelity and i was like oh, oh that's nice. nice that's very well that's done because cool. they live in a record store and they worship the records and stuff so um cool. yeah I'm very excited about that. And then I have a bunch of other stuff I can't talk about. Ooh, that's the stuff we love right here. I have a carnage pitch. That's great. (laughs) Well, I hope it's not anything like mine and Ethan's carnage pitch, which is 
he's still alive, turns out. Ooh, it um, is like that. <laughs> My pitch is a lot shit. like that, yeah. Oh, shit, okay. <laughs> uh, Jamie, uh, she, her the, the username here is uh, Jamie Marvel Scorsese Fuentes, so Marvel and Scorsese got in there. Sweet. Um, what punk songs should I listen to while reading Annihilation Scorch? Uh, you're gonna want to listen to like some just like heavy doom stuff. Like you're gonna you're gonna want to listen to like uh, maybe not even punk stuff, but like Wolves in the Throne Room and Converge and just like really like atmospheric, atmospheric. You know, like uh, yeah, maybe like Sun and Wolves in the Throne Room and stuff that's just gonna like make you feel like the universe is collapsing yeah that's a good question i don't get asked that question a lot people usually point uh, have that for donnie because he talks about all of his music tastes and oh, not he went in on his music guy. taste on this show and it was not good yeah he likes he likes uh metal in a way that i don't like i like metal that's like sort of comes from hardcore it's more about what he doesn't like. That, that Do you have any controversial opinions about Led Zeppelin? I don't like Led Zeppelin. Oh, I see why they're friends now. Oh, yeah, I think Led Zeppelin is blah. <laughs> Did, well, Donnie doesn't like... Donnie was shitting on the Beatles, and he was shitting on uh, Springsteen, specifically. That's crazy talk. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a crazy <laughs> guy. Uh, uh, the Beatles are great. Uh, Springsteen's amazing. Uh, Led Zeppelin, I don't like. That's fair. Lots of people don't like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I grew up, you know, like I grew up, I had an older brother and he was like a punk rock kid. And so he, you know, didn't let me listen to like hip hop or, or, or like stoner shit, or like Led Zeppelin or, or, or like Motley Crue or anything like that. He was like, listen to the Clash, listen to Ramones. So like that to me was always like, that's the, you know, where, where I think other people go off and get into Led Zeppelin. I was like, oh no, I like like two minute songs that are just three chords. Um, not that that's what the clash is, but you know what I'm saying. Sure. Uh, Nain Wooten, do y'all ever drink while drawing? If so, uh, how often do drunk sketches make the final cut? I don't. I rarely ever drink while I'm drawing. I drink while I'm doing the show. Uh, <laughs> but drinking while drawing just makes me tired and want to quit drawing. And Matthew doesn't draw or drink. He said, sorry, he's got a follow-up right after. It says, same goes for writing. Uh, I don't drink, uh, so I don't ever do that. I'm just super dehydrated. Um, <laughs> no, no I, uh, I'm straight edge, so I don't drink. Uh, I don't understand how people, like, I understand having a, a glass of wine or a beer while you write, but, like, people who drink more than that, I'm like, I don't understand how that works at all. Yeah, you can yeah. concentrate on the page. Does make sense? <laughs> Let's see here. Do uh, do just a couple more. I've got a question to throw in. Yeah. Go for it. All right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, really, this question is just an excuse to compliment you again. But uh, listen, they I I've never particularly been attracted to Punisher books, um, and like and for some reason I'm never able to hook into them. But with your run, I got so fucking into it, and I don't understand what it was about that particular run because I just kept trying to figure out. I was like, why is it that this particular run has like gotten me in a way that Punisher never has before? I, and you I know, wanted I to ask you. Go ahead. Uh, well, I know the answer to that. It's because uh -huh. it was uh, really fucking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I think that that's probably true. But also, I wanted to ask you, like, is there a secret to writing Punisher? Because I feel like it's like so hit or miss, uh, and I and I want to know what it is that makes it a great Punisher book. 
No. Well, first of all, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. But yeah. um, no, I, you know, the Punisher is weird because he is a, a funny character because he is so myopic and singular. Like, yeah. I, I realized early on when I was getting the Punisher, I was like, oh, the Punisher, like, he he only ever does one thing. He only ever yeah, reacts yeah. one way. The only way the book works is if the world reacts in a way that you don't expect to him. Because he yeah. will always do what you expect him to do. If you're like, oh, the Punisher's here and he's doing this thing, what's he going to do? Like, there's never a mystery to that. Like, he yeah, is yeah. so black and white and linear. Um, and, uh, you know, I said, I said early on, I was like, the Punisher's a tidal wave, and it's just a question of, like, w what do we put in front of him to try and stop the wave? And it won't work. Like, everyone knows it won't work. So, so yeah. how, does that, how does that look as a book? But I think, I think the thing that's interesting about the Punisher is, like, no, I don't think there's a secret to writing the Punisher because, because he is, people think he's very simple to write because he always does sort of one thing. But people look for very different things from him. Like, there are people who... Uh, I mean, I love Remenders. I love the Frankencastle stuff. There are a lot of Punisher fans who hate it. Um, you know, I, 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 there's all different Punisher stories that people like, that diehard Punisher fans are like, I love this and I hate this. And you sort of study them being like, what is the difference here? <laughs> why, why this and not this? And I, I don't know. I mean, I knew going into the, when I started on Punisher, because we put him in the War Machine armor, I was like, the fans are going to fucking be so <laughs> mad when we announce this. Because they just want a guy with a gun. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm giving him a ridiculous tank that he wears. Like, they're yeah. going to hate it. And they were so mad when it was announced. I was, like, nervous how mad they were. And then <laughs> they were like, well, the first issue's cool, but he's not in the armor. And I was like, well, okay, first issue's cool. I got away with one. And then they were like, oh, the second issue's cool. And I think in the third issue, he grabs a guy by the shoulders and tears him in half like a turkey <laughs> wishbone. And I think at that point, all the Punisher fans were like, okay, yeah, I'm pretty cool with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why I liked it. Yeah, that was it. The turkey wishbone, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think it's, it's, he's, a, he's a fun character just because he is so, so single-minded that it's, it's like, he's like Animal from the Muppets. It's like, yeah, you, just, yeah. you just like him. Uh, he's just fun in a terrifying way. Um, I think we'll probably call it there because the rest of the questions we actually we kind of touched on some of the stuff that they were getting at, and uh, the other ones had mentioned Chip Zdarsky. So uh, <laughs> just skip, just skip it. That's a topic we're trying to avoid on the oh. show. Yep. Okay. Uh, Matt, dude, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Is there anything that you want to say before you're done? Anything you want to recommend? Um. Well, thank you guys for having me. This was great. I'm sorry that uh, I don't know how to use a computer, so it took a long time <laughs> to get the show started. Okay. Don't worry. Uh, um, what do I want to recommend? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, you know what I like? Kindness. Uh, mm. Like, just if you if you have access to it, take a bath. Just take a long bath with a book. That's real yeah, nice. Yeah. A bath bomb. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I know this is a this is a topic uh, that's very common among Marvel writers because uh, I know that Donnie and Jason Aaron are big bath bomb guys. I'm more of a powder. I do a powder, uh, like a relaxing. I buy stuff from a witch online. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I, I know that witch. No, I, I just made that up. You may, you may. She's from the Midwest. You may know her. Um, uh, yeah, just be nice to yourself and other people. That's my advice. Kindness. Yeah. That's a great recommendation. I saw the Mr. Rogers movie over Thanksgiving. And I heard it's that very movies. good. It is great, and it's all about being being a nice person and being understanding and forgiving and loving. Yeah, and read uh, Venom. 
Thank you. We we needed that plug. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I'm on your <laughs> podcast and you're not on mine. <laughs> Ryan, you made it through the episode. No lean back. This Did is- take your glasses off. But but I feel like that's probably that's probably fine. Yeah, uh, I I can't see anything, but it, I just need to hear you anyway. <laughs> yes. Anything you want to say? Anything uh, you got th- for us this week? I can tell a story about Oliver. People seem to like these stories. Yes. <laughs> yes. People animate them. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So this we is need just a th- quick we need a theme song for this segment. Ooh, it's Ryan's <laughs> kids' story times. But up. Uh, My son Oliver is eight. He's a little weirdo. And uh, yesterday, my wife, so we have these neighbors and their, um, one of the people that live there, their father died. And so we were, t- Aaron made them some banana bread and some brownies and bought them a bottle of wine. And we we're going to take it over there to be, you know, just kind of neighborly and, you know, we're sorry about your loss. Mm-hmm. And um, I drive over there <clears throat> and Oliver's t- going to take it up to the door. And he does. And then I just see him go up to the door, and then he just comes sprinting back to the car. And he doesn't have the bag anymore. I'm like, what was that? You know, like kind of not thinking much about it, just like pulling out of the driveway. Like he he must have rang the doorbell and said, you know, sorry for your loss, like we told him, whatever. And uh, they, they, the people that live there, start. they come outside and they're like looking at my car like, what? What's going on? (laughs) And I rolled down the window. I was like, uh, hey, it's me, you know, we just wanted to give you a gift, you know, sorry for your loss, like, I'm everything's super awkward now, and then I, they're like, okay, thank you, and then I rolled up the window, and I'm like, Oliver, what did you do, he said, I rang the doorbell, and I was like, and then what did you do, he said, I ran away, away. (laughs) and I said, why, and he goes, because it was a ding-dong ditch, (laughs) oh, dude, I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, we told you why you were going up there. This is not the time to play a prank. Maybe it's the best time. Yeah, I was just like, okay, man. And then, you know, of course, I have to go home and, like, text them. Like, then everything's weird. And I'm like, I'm sorry. My son's a weirdo. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That is very good. Hey. That's it for another Ryan Tells Stories About His Kids time. Um, once again, Matt, you're the best. Can't wait to have you back. People in clamoring to have you on the show forever. Yeah, We've been yeah. getting it, like, constantly. I think so you're just I'm talking about do it. me asking if I could be on the show. But sure, thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed this episode, you can find all of our episodes at stagmanfriends at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at stagmanshow. You can email us at stegmanandfriends at gmail.com, and you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to butt in, but you said our website was stegmanandfriends at gmail.com. I was curious about Fuck. that. Fuck! Fuck! That's no. not our website. Griffin, when does this college nightmare end? Dude, <laughs> I don't know, man. Delirious. E- Ethan's recommendation for the episode is dropping out of college. Uh, yeah. He- <laughs> Drop out of college, move to Alaska, uh, have yeah, bad like, internet. Of course. All right. All yeah. right. Well, yeah, we see where that where that brought us. Now you're all the way on the other side of the world, Ethan. Ugh. Come Ugh. On. All right. It's stegmanandfriends.com is our website. I swear I'm educated. Uh, 
<laughs> in a week, I'll have a piece of paper that says I'm educated, which will somehow make me better than other people because the system is broken and stupid and terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's fine because we paid paid money for it. Whatever. Uh, what else? Are those all the things that we say at the end of the show? Uh, so. Excelsior. Excelsior. I'm at. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Griff Sheridan. Ethan is at Tales to Astonish. Uh, Matthew is at Ashcan Press. Yeah. Ashcan Press. Ryan Stegman is at Ryan Stegman. Matthew, if you want to say the thing that we say at the end of every episode of the show, we say, stay amazing, friends. If you want to say it. We never say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a voice, though. Do like a British accent. British accent? Yeah, or Southern. I'm going to do both. I'm going to do a Southern Southern England. Okay. Let's okay. get a clean one. Let's get a clean one. <laughs> All right. Okay. Stay amazing, friends. It's fine. It's not the official. I don't think I can do a British one, guys. Stay amazing, friends. I never approved this end phrase, by the way. It was a very organic thing. It was a natural thing that we kind of led into. Ethan's trying to take over the fucking show again. This is crazy. All right. Let's see.